Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Gimel, Maseches Psachim. But we will begin six lines up from the bottom of Yud Beis Amud Beis, where it says Amar Ravashi. Those, uh, the third word over there. Uh, we always say the Shir Le'ilan Nishmas of Chaim Zev Malewitz. Um, we're also going to say it today, Le'ilan Nishmas Yisrael Ben Yaakov. Wow, this week's Parsha, Yaakov becomes Yisrael. Yisrael Ben Yaakov singer, Andrew's uh, uncle, um, who was Zochet Arichus Yomim, and uh, we wish that the Neshama should have an Aliyah, Mary's Bizochet, to hear Besiros Tovis in the future. Okay, so Amar of Ashi. I actually sometimes listen to myself after, after the Shir, and yesterday I did get an opportunity to do that, and I realized that early in the Shir, we were discussing what is the discrepancy, uh, what is the margin for error that we have for human beings in the time, right, of the Mishnayis, uh, when people didn't have wristwatches and, and, and atomic watches, and they were looking at the sun. And I realized that I first, in the beginning of the Shir, I was talking about a discrepancy, Machlokas Rameyer and Rabbi Yehuda is in our Mishnah. The Machlokas Rameyer and Rabbi Yehuda is one hour versus two hours. Because, right, because Rabbi Meir wants you to stop eating um, one hour before Midor Raisa, you're supposed to stop eating at the end of the sixth hour. Rabbi Meir wants you to stop eating um, at the end of the fifth hour. Rabbi Huda wants you to stop eating at the end of the fourth hour. So if the reason why they want you to stop eating is because people don't know where the sun is exactly in the early morning, and therefore, we want to have a little bit of a buffer, so then the machlokas would be, what is the margin of error? One hour versus two hours. Then, we brought, yesterday, we spent a lot of time yesterday, on the Mishnah in Sanhedrin, where there was a similar dispute between the same, right, Rameyer and Rabbi Yehuda, but there, the difference was between two and three hours. And so I saw that in the, in the beginning of the Shia, I was a little confused because I was describing the one hour, two hour discrepancy in the beginning. I straightened myself out somewhere in the middle. Um, it just, it didn't really make any difference in terms of the give and take of the Gemara, but it did uh, affect some of the math when we were talking about it uh, earlier. But that becomes the topic of the Gemara now. The topic of the Gemara now is why is it that the dispute is between one hour and two hour in our Mishnah of Sochim, and in the Mishnah in Sanhedrin, it's in Machlokas of two hours versus three hours. That's what we're discussing now. So Amar Ravashi, so I don't normally like to justify my mistakes, but this one really was, was a legitimate confusion based off of the two different uh, things going on in the Mishnah. We'll address that now. So the Gemara talks like this. Amar Ravashi, Kamachlokas be'edus kach machlokas be'chametz. And you would think that, right? In other words, just like they had a machlokas from Yudah Meir about what the margin for error is with ours in the Edus over there in Sanhedrin, so too it's over here in Psachim. Or the Gemara says, Pshita, hainu Yeah, of course, that's why we're talking about this. <laughs> that's what we said. This is why we were discussing Sanhedrin. But the question is, why would it be different? So the Gemara answers, Hakamash malan, shinuya deshaninan, shinuyahu, velotema tenaihi. In other words, what the Gemara, is, what Ravashi is trying to tell us, right, that is that we don't have two different, right, authors of these two different Mishnayis, um, the one in Sanhedrin and the one over here in Sachim, that are arguing with each other whether the Mechokas is one and two hours or two and three hours. Rather, it's the same Tanaic source. The Mishnayis are consistent. And if that's the case, then all you really have to justify is why would the hours by Chameis be different than the hours by Edus? But it's the same author. In other words, it's all the same consistent uh, sources. Okay, that's what this part of the Gemara means. So then what would it be? So first of all, uh, as follows. Amar Vashimi Ashi. So this is now Ravashi's son, apparently. Lo shanu el so first of all, a side point, that everybody's going to agree that this discrepancy of one or two hours, that's only when, let's say, it's mid-morning, and the sun's in the sky, so to tell you what the position of the sun in the sky is, that's where human beings start to get confused and have that margin for error. But to tell you the difference between night and day, right, sometimes an hour, like right now, in an hour from now, it's going to be daylight, but right now it looks like pitch black outside. So... 
So to tell you the difference, so even though it's only an hour apart, everybody would agree that that Adas is going to get thrown out if we're an hour apart in that regard. Okay, so the Gemara says, Pshita, well, that's obvious. Obviously, the difference between night and day, I mean, it's like night and day, right? It's, it's literally as, as, dis, as discrepant as it could be. So really what Rav Shimi Barashi was saying was that what it really means is though that even if it's not like now where it's 5.40 a.m. and it looks like nighttime versus uh, later at 6.40 where it's going to look like morning, it's not talking about that case. That's not what Rav Shimi Barashi is talking about. He's talking about that sunrise time where you see like a little bit of, of, of the lightning of the sky versus when you actually see the sun ball come up, which is then that, that if one says that they saw the sky that was the beginning of the morning. So you would think that maybe there you would have the Hava Amina, right? You might consider there that you don't throw out that Adas because one is, they're both saying that it's early morning at some point, but still the shot is that Adus and Betela, that even though that may only be, let's say, 20 or 30 minutes apart, there you're still throwing out the testimony because after all, you can see the sunball, right? So, and that's something that's very verifiable, and therefore, this is not just a question of we didn't remember exactly where the sun was positioned in the sky. It's really more fundamental than that, and we do not accept Adim, where one thinks that they saw the sunball when, when they saw the incident, and the other one thinks that they just saw the lightning in the sky. We will throw that out. The Gemara says, Hanami Pshita. Well, again, this is a recognizable event in the sky that nobody should confuse, and therefore, that should be obvious also. Says the Gemara, the same Maybe they're both saying, listen, it was, it was the crack of dawn. Right? As we arrive in Right? When the first guy was saying that it was during Neitzachama, right? He was saying it was during Masikin. He just means he saw some light in the sky. He was talking about that, that pre-sunrise glow. And he's just talking about like sun rays a little bit that he saw. Kamash Malan, Rashim Barashi is coming to tell you that that's not the case. That really we, our expectations of precision with regards to time are actually, we have big expectations. We want a witness to know. Did you see the sun ball or did you just see a little bit of a lightning in the sky? But, but when it comes to mid-morning, we can't have that expectation of knowing exactly where the sun was in the sky. But when you're talking about the difference between the crack of dawn and the actual sun ball coming up, that's something that we would expect the witnesses to know and it could be enough to disqualify witnesses if they don't get that right. Okay. So now two lines down. He's going to lay down what is halacha in our Mishnah. says, halacha karabi Yehuda. That halacha is in fact like Rabbi Yehuda, and we know that to be the case, that we finish eating chametz at the end of the fourth hour, and then we suspend it in the fifth hour, and then we burn it at the end of the sixth hour. So the Gemara asks, or we, or we uh, burn it in the sixth hour, in the beginning. So, Amar le Rav Alar of Nachman. So Rava says to Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman quoted Rav saying that halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. We're going to see that that is in fact the case. However, we have some, when we make halachic decisions, we have some general laws. We have some general protocols. When it comes to making a lucky decision, Rabbi Walter, or Moshe Walter, the great rabbi in Woodside Synagogue in Silver Spring, he has two volumes now on the anatomy of making a lucky decisions. How are lucky decisions made? And he takes you all the way from the Gemara, from the Mishnah to the Gemara to the classic post game, etc. So there's certain protocols that we have. We learned a lot of those in Erevin, as you might recall, that when you have two, two different Mandamars, the halachas like one or the other. So here, we have the protocol as follows. The name of Mar Halacha Kerebi Mayor. Maybe the Halacha Kerebi Mayor for what reason? The Sasam Lan Tanakavase. Because we know that there's, that there's a Stam Mishnah. A Stam Mishnah is usually like Rabbi Mayor. And therefore we assume there is a Stam Mishnah and we assume that that Mishnah is Rabbi Mayor as follows. It's none. We learn the Mishnah. This Mishnah is going to be uh, next week. Next week we're going to learn the following Mishnah. Kol or I think it's next Shabbos. Kol Shashimutalachol Machil. Okay? It's an unusual language. Anytime that you're allowed to eat Hamates, you can also feed it to your animals. Okay, that, the implication in that Mishnah is that as anytime that you're not allowed to eat chametz, you also can't have hana'a from it. Meaning, you can't feed your animals is, is, is another way of saying that you can have hana'a from it. Well, interestingly enough, 
remember, Rabbi Yehuda had the idea of tolin, right? The fifth hour of Rabbi, of, of Rabbi Meir, you're already eating. Uh, according to Rabbi Meir, you can neither eat it nor get hana from it. According to Rabbi Yehuda, in the, so that's consistent with the mission of Chapalaf. According to Rabbi Yehuda, in the fifth hour, you can no longer eat it, but you can still get hana from it. That's what we mean by tolin, right? It's suspended, hanging there like a matzo ball, Garanoid. Okay, so, so therefore, um, it sounds like the Mishnah and Chafalif is consistent more with Rabbi Meir because it says there is no such time of Tolin where you can not, not eat it anymore, but you can still get Hana. So, so, and that Mishnah doesn't have anybody attributed to it. Therefore, Halacha should be like the Stam Mishnah, and that Stam Mishnah should be like Rabbi Meir. And therefore, why are, is Rav being quoted as Paskin like Rabbi Yehuda? So the Gemara answers, Ahi Lav Stamahu. No, that, that was not a Stam Mishnah in Chafalif. Why? Uh, it's going to be because of an unusual language. Mishum Tekashir Mutar. Because over there, the Gemara, they, they, they had the language of Mutter, right? Kol Shashir Mutter, the Mishnah had the language Mutter, and the Gemara asked, uh, asked about it. Kol Shashir Mutter Le'echol, Machil. Right? In other words, it says there, Mutter. That seems to follow the view of not Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbi Meir, but it implies, Rashi explains, that we, that we have Mutter. What's Mutter? We have certain people. Shashir Acherim Mutter Le'em Le'echol. What hour is that? So you might recall, in our very Mishnah, we had Rabbi Meir who said that by the, that you can eat all the way to the end of the fifth hour. We had Rabbi Yehuda who said that in the fifth hour you already cannot eat. And it's just, right, you can have Hanah from it. And we had Rabbi Gamliel who threw in a wrinkle. He said that fifth hour is reserved for what? For the Kohanim's consumption of truma. Oh, the Kohanim's consumption of truma is, those are the people for which that consumption is mutter in, at that time. Okay, so that is implied in, in the language of the Mishnah in Chafalif where it says mutter, and therefore that is not a stop Mishnah over there in Chafalif, but rather it's a Mishnah like Rabbi Gamliel. So then the Gemara says, V'neim amar halacha k'rav gamliel, d'havalei machriya. So now we have kind of uh, a reason to think that maybe the halacha shouldn't be like Rabbi Meir or like Rabbi Huda. Maybe the halacha should be like Rabbi Gamliel. Because, right? So, so um, there's really two reasons. The reason they're bringing here now is that havalei machriya. Normally, if you have a Tana opposing a position, and another Tana saying a different position, and then a third one coming in, right? We say it every morning, in the Midas Shatar Nidreshes Baham of Rabbi Ishmael. So that's with Sukim. When you have a third Pasuk that's a middle position, you usually you call that the Machriya, that which decides the fact. So similarly here, Rabbi Gamliel comes in in the middle, he's the Machriya. And therefore, that's a different halachic protocol. Maybe we should go like him. Now, Tosis points out, uh, there's another reason why to go like Rabbi, Mishnah, like Rabbi uh, Gamliel, because we just said that that's, that Stam Mishnah was like Rabbi Gamliel. So that's a different reason. That's also, the halacha should be like a Stam Mishnah. And the Stam Mishnah, because of the word mutter, sounds like it's like Rabbi Gamliel. So that's that first Tosis and Yim and Tosis gives um, reasons. So that's what we're about to read. That we're kind of like throwing that out, this whole idea of that, that approach, that stream of idea that has to do with Stam Mishnah, we kind of throw out and we have other reasons to uh, decide the halacha like either Rabbi Meir or Rabbi Huda. But be that as it may, the Gemara answers with regards to this first suggestion of Rabbi Gamliel being machriya, Amalei, Rabbi Gamliel lav machriyahu, because tam dinashik amar. Even though it sounds, says the Gemara, even though it sounds like Rabbi Meir is posing one idea and Rabbi Huda a different idea, and Rabbi Gamliel is coming out with a hybrid idea in the middle, he's not really coming out with a hybrid idea in the middle. Rather, he's saying his own novel idea. Okay? He's tam dinashik amar. He's saying his own thing, and that's not really what a machriya is. Technically, machriya is supposed to be that the way machriya works is that it's a derivative of one of the two shitas. So if the machriya is one of the two shitas, then what he's doing is that you group him. Right, with, with whichever shita he seems to be a derivative of, now you have two against one. That's how Machria works. And Machria breaks the vote, right? Breaks a tie vote, right? By actually leaning towards one shita or another. So then when you say Tam Dinashik Amar, what that means is that he's not really leaning towards Rabbi or Rabbi Huda. He's just saying his own thing. He sounds like a derivative of Rabbi Huda, right? Because he's making you stop eating. Most people, he makes stop eating at the end, uh, right, of the fourth hour. But on the other hand, he's allowing Kohanim to eat later. So you could say maybe there's a reason, Kohanim's reason. 
Okay, but because of me, that's the Gemara saying that's really its own standalone shita. Therefore, it can't serve as a mechria, and therefore um, it doesn't point towards one or the other. And so we're going to f- continue the Gemara for another source for why Rob would say the is like Rabbi Huda as follows. This is where Tosva says we're really paying attention now. Rav the Amar Kihai Tana. Rav said according for the different Tana. The Tanya, he said in a different part, he says as follows. Uh, when are we going to have that? Does that ever come up in the calendar? Yeah, this year. This coming year we're going to have this. Okay? That when you have Erev Pesach on Shabbos, three-day yontiv as we call it over here in Baltimore, So obviously you're not going to do all the burning of the Chomets on Erev Pesach because that's Shabbos. So where do you do it? You do it on Erev Shabbos, right? On your Gimel. Uh, and we burn all the Truma. Now we said this was in the Shita from Gamliel. We had an issue with this, right? You're not supposed to burn Truma. Truma you're supposed to eat so long as, as, as you can. But here we see that on Erev Shabbos, right, you're not going to be able to know what the status of all these things are going to be on Shabbos. So there's three categories here. There's Trumas Tameos. Truma that's Tameos anyways you're going to want to burn. But you're also going to burn the, the Tahoros. Truma that's Tahor that normally the Kohanim can eat. Well, you're not going to have enough Kohanim to eat it. So you have to burn it because you're not going to be able to burn it on Shabbos. And also Tzluyos, which is suspended in the sense that we don't even know yet whether it's Tameos or Normally we would leave it over, but here we have to burn it. Okay. So we burn basically all the Truma, right, because we don't know. We're not going to be able to eat it, and we're not going to be able to burn it, and we can't keep the chametz around. We really have a truma conundrum in a situation like this. If it was a regular Friday and it wasn't Shabbos, then whatever's left over, you just burn. But here, you have a Shabbos, a Shabbos that's an Erev Pesach, and you can't burn that truma. So you really have a truma conundrum in those days, and so you would have to, and so you would have to uh, just hedge your bets, so to speak, and burn whatever you need to burn. Already on Erev Shabbos, you have to calculate ahead of time. And, In other words, of all the chametz you're going to burn, right, we're used to this part, right? We burn all the chametz, we get rid of everything except for what we're going to eat on Erev Pesach. So in this case, what you're going to retain to eat on Erev Pesach is going to be truma, right? Because you're trying to minimize the burning of truma, right? This is what we encountered yesterday. Anytime you have truma, you don't really want to burn it. You want to be able to eat it. So that's what you're going to preserve. You're going to preserve the truma. But unfortunately, uh, in this case, there is going to be truma that you're going to have to burn because you can't leave over the chametz for Erev Pesach on Shabbos. Okay. So you leave over two pseudos worth. There is a discussion, of course, for Barry Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, is going to get into it, and we're going to deal with it this year. Right? Shalashudis, on Erev Pesach, that Shechalios B'Shabbos. What, what do you do, Garanowitz? It's like four shitas. Do you eat fruit? Are you just going to learn Torah? Are you going to have egg matzah? Are you going to have, are you going to eat it? Are you going to eat Shalashudis at 10 in the morning? Okay. So, all the different ways of dealing with uh, Shalashudis on uh, Erev Pesach, Shechalios B'Shabbos. Anyways, so here, interestingly enough, right, the Gemara just assumes that you're only going to eat, uh, you're, going to, you're only going to eat the Shetay pseudos. All right, enough to eat, right, it makes sense. Some people want to extend that to Shalshudis all, all during the year, that maybe you don't need to ever eat Shalshudis, but of course, every Pesach is, is unique, right, because you can't eat matzah and you can't eat Pesach, and you can't eat uh, chametz. what are you going to do? Um, all right, now, so now, so you're going to leave over the Shetay Sudos, enough to eat right within the first four hours of the day. Divir Rebbe Lazar ben Yudah Ishbar Tosa. Rebbe Lazar ben Yudah said this language, Amar Mishu Mishua, and he said in the name of Yeshua, and Amar Lo, to him they said, Tahoros lo Yisarfu Shemayim Ochlin. So here's the discussion that ends up taking place over there on Chafalif, where they tell him, uh, is that where that is, on Chafalif? Uh, and that was the previous Gemara. Uh, it, it, it has, I think the discussion is over there with regards to the Truma. So basically what they say to him over there, Tahor maybe you shouldn't burn it. In other words, what are we doing? We're burning on Friday, right, before, two days before Pesach, we're burning Truma, which you never really want to do, but we have no choice because we think that we're not going to find anybody to eat it on Shabbos and we can't burn it on Shabbos. So they said to him, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Shema yim Maybe you'll find some guests. You'll be, fi- you'll be able to, instead of burning truma, which you want to avoid, maybe you'll find somebody to eat it. 
And even if you don't know for sure that you'll find somebody to eat, eat it, just the fact that there's a possibility that somebody's going to come and eat it should maybe give you pause and prevent you from burning truma, which you want to avoid. So I'm a I called everybody. I tried to invite everybody for Shabbos, and there, nobody's taking. So I know that nobody's coming for Shabbos. So I'm low. So the dialogue was Maybe somebody's going to walk in from Owings Mills or something. So you ask everybody in Baltimore in your neighborhood, but maybe somebody's going to come from somewhere else. So then, okay, so then why, as we mentioned already, there was three categories, right? Truma, Tahara for sure, Tamea for sure. Tamea we're going to burn for sure, that we always do. But the, but how about the third category? The Truma that was in, in, in the state of, right, Safek, Tluyos, where we wasn't sure whether it's Tamea or Tahara. Maybe we should, you're going to love this, Goranowitz, maybe we should leave this and not burn that either. Why? Shemayova Eliyahu Tarim. Eliyahu Novi is going to potentially come on Yantiv and he's going to make them Tahar. So why am I burning Truma that might end up being Tahar Truma? So Armullah, they said, no, that, come on. You're not going to wait, like what, you're going to say that Elio Nabi's going to come? But not for the reason you think. Not because uh, you've been waiting for him all this time and you're getting despondent. Of course Elio could come, except for what? We already know that Elio Nabi doesn't come in Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv because he doesn't want, we have, we're busy enough on those days. He doesn't want to upset us. He doesn't want to uh, be matriach us and therefore he's going to come when it's a little bit more convenient for us. That already is a discussion. I mean, we would probably be happy uh, even on Arab Shabbos and Arab Yantav, you would like to think, right? But be that as may, that's a tradition. We already mentioned this. Um, uh, I think it was in Masechah Shabbos. And so, therefore, because of the fact that Eliyahu is not going to come and reconcile this issue on Arab uh, Shabbos or on Arab Yantav, in this case it's Arab Yantav, uh, because of that case, then we know that we're not going to have an answer to these Tuluyos then, and that's why we can burn that as well. Okay. So now, Amru. Bryce said, Lo zazu Interesting language. The, nobody was, nobody got out of that base medish until they worked it all out, and they said that Allah was like, Okay. So now, wait a minute. So, my love, afilu lecho. So, so when it came to this, there was a component of, of the halacha that had to do with the truma, and that's what we've been focusing on until now. But, with regards to when to finish eating chametz, he was in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda. He said, you have to finish eating chametz before the end of the fourth hour. So that seems to be a data point to prove that Allah should be like a Yehuda, but the Gemara rejects it. Papa Rava, lo That idea of the fourth hour, he wasn't talking about. Um, it, it was, they, they didn't. They didn't go and they established Allah like him, right? When it says that they didn't move anywhere until they established Allah like him, so just like in the Gemara, we've been focusing on disposing of the truma. So too in the base medish, when they established Allah, they were focused on disposing of the truma, but they didn't really establish Allah like him with regards to what his position was. Right, um, what his position was with regards to when you have to stop eating chametz. So even though that his position in that scenario was like Rabbi Yehuda, that is not the part that they latched onto. They were just talking about the truma disposal halacha. They weren't talking about when to stop eating, and therefore they sort of separated that out. And that was not something that they insisted on. Okay, so we still don't know where of Nachman got this idea that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. So let's see. Says the Gemara eleven, up line, 11 lines up from the wide lines. of Nachman. Rabbi also was agreeing with Rav Nachman. I'm a Rabbin, but Rav Adam Maisa, Adam Echad. An interesting Misa that's going to be illustrative in terms of whether we hold a Rabbi Yehuda or a mayor, as follows. This, can you imagine such a person? A person leaves, you ever get left holding the bag? So this was literally, you get left holding the bag. A person, the sakya, the sakya, that word sounds a lot like the word sack, which is kind of what it means. You have to sack, sack full of chametz, it's a yochanan chakuka. Okay, he said, hey, do you mind watching this giant sack full of chametz for me? <clears throat> when did this take place? On Erev Pesach. That's not a good time to leave a sack of chametz for your friend to watch for you. We already discussed, when you're watching this chametz for your friend and you have a chariot for it, then you actually become a, a certain level of ownership where you, you really do uh, have to worry about uh, having it around. And from that point, things got worse. So sure enough, Rav Yochanan Chakuka has a sack of chametz and mice get to it, and now chametz is pouring out of this giant sack of chametz on Erev Pesach. This is not good. 
So Uvalifne Rebbe, so Yachan Chakuka is going to the Rebbe, and he says, Shari Shana, and he said, What am I supposed to do? This, I, I'm, I'm responsible for this giant sack of chametz, and I have Pesach, I'm getting anxious. So Shari Shana, I'm Lohamtain. The first day, I said, Wait, wait, don't worry, the guy's going to come back for his chametz. Shniyah Amar Lohamtain, second, he, he was preaching patience. Shlishis Amar Lohamtain, this is getting nerve wracking. Revius now, it's the Shari Revius, Erev Pesach, sack, full of chametz. Leaching out chametz, everything's spilling. This is terrible. But still, fourth hour, he's still saying hamtain. Chamishus amalo tsei umachor b'shuk. You know, in the fifth hour, he said, go sell it. Now, this is the beginning of the fifth hour. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you can no longer eat it, but you can still have hanaf from it. So that sounds a little bit like Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara is going to flesh it out a little bit. My love l'nachrim, right? What was Rabbi's suggestion to Rabbi Yochanan Chakukah? It had to have been go sell it to in the shuk to non-Jews, right? To Rabbi Yehuda, and that would be in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, right? Because that means that he cannot right eat it, but he could still sell it. To others who can eat it, to those who don't uh, follow these halachas, that's uh, meaning to non-Jews. So the Gemara says, so that sounds like Rebbe held like Rabbi Yehuda. But the Gemara says, no, I'm Rabbi Yosef Lola Yisrael, Maybe he meant what? Sell the chametz to a Jew, and therefore there'd be no difference between a Jew and a non-Jew in this regard. And therefore, basically, Rabbi Meir, right? He's basically saying the chametz is still allowed during the fifth hour, and during that last hour, right, the eleventh hour, as it were, or technically the fifth hour. In that hour, he's selling it to a Jew, because according to Rabbi Meir, you could still eat it in that fifth hour. And that's why the suggestion was to sell it to a Jew. But the Gemara says, what? How could that be possible, Rabbi Yosef? I'm going to buy it. I buy questions, Rabbi Yosef. Israel, Nishkilin, and Ashe. What do you I mean? Like, you're going to sell somebody a headache? You're going to sell, it's like, it's like um, you'd have to be a really good salesman to be able to sell chametz to a Jew in the last hour that you're allowed to eat it on Arab Pesach, right? That, that is, that, that's, that's crazy. If you're going to go to the Shuk and sell to Israel with an hour left until, until the Isra Achila, then Nishkel and Nasha, you might as well keep it yourself. How are you going to, that's going to be a very hard sales job. That's, the, that's what you're busy doing the last hour of, uh, of Achila's chametz? So the Rabbi Yosef says, no, you know what? You can't really keep it to yourself. Why? Because this is an idea that you can't take the food for yourself because there's, there's, it's bad, it's a bad look. There's a certain idea of chashad when we come to the person who is in charge. Somebody leaves you in charge with something, you can't have any, you have to take away any element of suspicion that you were eyeing that object that you were responsible for. And therefore, if you end up eating the chametz, then, then there may be this perception that you were eyeing the chametz all along, and that is a perception we want to avoid. Therefore, you're better off selling it off and having somebody else uh, take it. Just to show that you never really were eyeing it, you had no desire to have this object that you were watching. And we have another precedent for that idea as follows. The Tanya, because we learn in the Bryce as follows. Gabay in a different context, but same idea. If you're, let's say, the Gabay Tzedakah, right? The person who's collecting all the Tzedakah, all the charity on behalf of the Aniyei. So you got all the money, uh, and let's say you got, and we're going to see also the Tamchoy, right? Let's say you're collecting food, right? So and you don't have anybody to distribute. You distribute it to everybody in Baruch Hashem, there weren't that many to give it to, and you have a surplus. So you don't keep those copper coins. Right, um, you So when you have an exchange, right? Sometimes you get, let's say, copper. Or you get pennies, right? You get pennies, uh, and you have this giant thing, and then you want to exchange it into the bank for larger bills. So they say, no, 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 exchange it with other people. Don't exchange it for yourself. In other words, don't use, don't take the copper coins for yourself and exchange it for your own dollar bills, so to speak, or your own silver coins, because then it's going to seem like the reason why you held. On to this is not because you ran out of anim, but because you love pennies. You're a penny collector, and so you don't want to. You want to get rid of any suspicion that you had the surplus for your own personal gain, and therefore the halacha is that you can exchange it with other people, or with a bank, or whatever, but not for your, <coughs> excuse me, not for yourself. Similarly, gabai tamchay administrators of like right the, the the soup kitchen. So those people, you're not going to eat the food yourself. You don't have other people anymore to feed. You fed everybody, you're done for the day, and there's a little bit surplus of food. So you could theoretically say, you know what, I will donate money to Tzedakah, and I take this food home to the family. Now, 
You don't want to do that. You should sell it to other people because it shouldn't be that nobody should think that you gave less soup to the Adim because you love this soup so much that you wanted to buy it for your own family. Because all those people who are in the public eye should be beyond reproach. Right? The Pasuk said it should be beyond reproach and completely innocent and free and clear of all of these suspicions. Um, and that's why we tell them to do that. So anyway, with regards to that, so that what that's what he said. You should sell it potentially to Israel. That was Rabbi Yosef said that, and therefore he said maybe you should sell it to Israel. But Abai said, well, maybe if that's the case, then you should buy it yourself. But we said you can't buy it himself. So maybe it is true that he sell it to Israel. But however, Amalei Rabbi Yehuda Barmasan Rabbi Yosef the Feirish Amalei Say Machon Nacharim to Rabbi Yehuda. Ah, Baruch Hashem. We had somebody in the base manager who said it explicitly that go sell it to the Nacharim. Once you say go sell it to the Nacharim, then it, it, that is according to the Shita that what that the fifth hour is what. It's Asr Bechila Bemutter Bahana. That is straight up exactly like Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, that story is very suggestive that we ask in like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. Now, elaborating on that particular incident, Rabbi Yosef command Azla Hashmai to the Rabbi. Who does that halakha of Rabbi follow? Kirib Shimon Ringam Leel. Now, Kirib Shimon Ringam Leel, it's none. Because we learned in the Mishnah, Hamafkid Teras Etzel Chavera. Oh, Hamafkid. But Metziah is great. If you, if you leave produce with your, right, with, with, with your fellow, Afilein Avudin Lo Yigabahem. Right? Even if they become ruined, you shouldn't touch it. Because right again, it's more proper, right, uh, to do that. In other words, because you, you want to do hashavas aveda, right, in the presence of bezdin. So he's so he's saying that Rebbe says that it, you can sell it, but he was following the view of Rishim Gamliel, and that just has to do with the question of again, this is a, a, a side issue in that story, which is you were asked to watch this item, and therefore you're supposed to. Right, think when you're asked to watch an item, you're supposed to watch the item and return it. Nobody wants you to sell it off. But in the story, you're, it's the item is too hot to handle, right? You got chametz on every pesach. You have to do something with it. So we're just saying that we have precedents to say that when you have uh, these kinds of circumstances where you can't hold on to it, then you can sell it, right? Either you don't touch it or you can sell it. So Shimon Gamliel says you can sell it if you have to. Just sell it in Bebezdin, so to speak. Where, well, that's so to speak. You sell it in Bebezdin, but the, the situation is sell it in a controlled environment where obviously there's be no suspicion that there's foul play, but you can in fact sell it for monetary value because you have no choice. And so that is what is behind our story. But be that as it may, the story is going to be uh, an indication that the halacha in our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yehuda. Now, with regards to that story, to that analogy of that story to us, didn't we say, that that's where the fruit wasn't reduced more than a normal measure. Right? Right, the question there was the produce in Babamitsia in that case was the fruit was rotting. Okay. So when the fruit was rotting, right, we said that really you're not so really supposed to um, to, to ever sell it to Besdin. The only time you sell it to Besdin is when it's gonna be really rotting and losing value. And here everybody would agree, right, that, that it was correct to sell the Khamits, because here he was not only gonna lose value, it, it was gonna completely have no value. Right? Because what is less valuable to sell than Khamits on actual Pesach? Because it's gonna be also run out to everybody. So it's not necessarily a reflection of Babamitsiya, it's a little bit different, and that's what they're pointing out. All right, so now we've arrived three lines down, two dots, and you give them a base, and we're going to um, discuss this, these next little pieces in the Mishnah. You might recall, oh, I'm a Rabbi Yehuda, chalos. You might recall, Rabbi Yehuda described the two chalos of Truma, the Pesula, that were sitting there on the Itzdaba, right, in the base of Mikdash, to show people when was the fourth hour and when was the fifth hour. So, the Gemara's going to analyze this. Tani Tanaka made Rabbi Yehuda. So, a Bryce teacher was in front of Rabbi Yehuda, and he says, Al Gaba Itzdaba, and he questions the Lashon. Uh, Rabbi Leibowitz points out that in elsewhere in Shas, we qu- have the same question, but in the reverse. We said, Al-Gav Al-Gav sounds like you're hiding it. And here, what we're trying to do is actually having it in, in plain view so that people can see it. Right? We're trying to broadcast it. 
the question in, in the other place in Shas was the opposite. We say al gag and, and it would have made more sense to say al gav. That has to do, oh, I just remember where it was. It was in Sukkah, I believe. It had to do definitely with the lulav. How do you handle the lulavim when it's Erev Sukkah and, 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 and you can't carry it because it's going to be Shabbos, so they used to bring the lulavim and keep them on al gav Okay. Be that as it may, right, you have to keep that sort of like protected. Be that as it may, al gav even though when we first read it, we thought in, in Hebrew, al gav right, that's on top of the itzba we could see. But apparently al gav makes it sound like it's on the spine. These itzbas were these protrusions, right, these platforms in front of the base of the mikdash. And so Al-Gav makes it sound like you're putting the, the bread somewhere where you can't see it. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, I'm a lebe, chilatz, No, you're not going to put it, uh, chilatz, you're not going to uh, try to hide them. On the contrary, you're trying to place them on high ground where everybody can see them in order to demonstrate when the fourth and the fifth hour is. So therefore, he just amends it, tani al-gav ha'itzdeba. He changes it to say that, no, it was on the roof of these protrusions, of these benches, which is to say in a very, very visible area. And that's consistent with our mission, with what we're trying to say. Um, I could figure out a Goran with some moment about why you, we would get it wrong in both places, think that Gav is Gog and Gog is Gav, but uh, we'll, we'll, work, we'll work on it, work on it. Sometimes we don't know which way is up or which way is down, and we have to have Chazal straighten it out for us. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about these itzba, these benches. Amar Rachva, Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Harabai Stav Kaful Haya. What's a Stav Kaful? It's a double row of benches, one row inside the other. This was the uh, configuration of the Temple Mount. May it be rebuilt speedily in our day. So Tanya Namahachi. And we also have a brisa to suggest this. Harbai stav kavul same thing. Two rows of benches. Rabbi Yudomer istvanis hoisan nikreis. That's why they call it the istvanis, the bench in the storefront. Stav lifnim mistav. One stav, one row of benches uh, inside of another. Okay. Now we promised yesterday that we would talk about why these truma loaves were puzzle. So two dots, ten lines down. Psulos. What's this puzzle? Says the Gemara. My psulos. Why are these truma rolls puzzle? So Amar Rabbi Chania mitochsha yume rubos. Because they brought many, many korban todas that the day before, and nifsalos belina, right? They invalid, they're they're not valid because again, the korban toda has forty different kind of rolls, right? Ten matzahs and thirty rolls, and it's supposed to be a korban toda very famously because why? Because anytime you have a simcha, anytime you have a good uh, something good that happened to you, you have no choice but to share it with other ones, share it with loved ones. Nobody, nobody, even the hungriest person, labriot, can cannot eat forty rolls, and therefore sometimes you end up with a surplus. And the surplus gets invalid. You can't just leave that around. So the Tanya, how do we know? Because we learned in the Bible, you can't bring a korban toda certainly on Pesach. Because as we just said, it has 30 rolls. You're going to bring a korban with 30 pieces of bread on Pesach. That's obviously not going to be that good. So, so, you, so they can't bring that korban. That's, that's a good question. Well, mo, right, most, most of the korbanos don't have chametz. So that's just one korban that you're going to have to hold off to after Pesach. So you're going to bring, God willing, after Pesach this year, you're going to bring korban toda. So the Mar says, Pshita, obviously. You can't have rolls, not even Mazonos rolls. You can't have any rolls, as a shout out to Rabbi David and Rabbi Shemesh. You can't have rolls in the base of Mikdash on Pesach. That's crazy. Amar of Adabar Hava, Hacha Be'arbasar is kidding. We're talking about Harbasa. This is getting back to our issue. On, on Arab Pesach, you also can't have a surplus of rolls. Because of our Ainavin Kachan the base Psul. Because the Tana holds that you can't right, expose the other right, the other Kachim to, to this base Psul, to an area where you have Psul. So everyone would bring the korban toda on the 13th for that reason. And therefore, And so, right, you didn't want to have exposed the other country to something that could become possible in the middle of, of the 14th. So everybody brought it on the 13th. But they brought it on the 13th. So it's like a backlog, right? Anytime you have, you, you, you didn't have an opportunity, right? Like we were in quarantine for, and the, and the dental office was closed for three, four months. So of course, all of the, all of the appointments got backlogged. Now you have a, an abundance of appointments when you go back. So similarly here, right? You got backlogged because you, there's going to be all of Pesach and also Arab Pesach. You can't bring the whole. So you ended up with all the korbatodas being brought on the 13th. And now you have all this challah laying around. And because of that, Nifsalus Belina. That's how you ended up with puzzle rolls. Okay. Or another explanation, Mishum Rabbi Yanai Amru, right? Kesheir saw you. But no, they were actually not puzzled. They were called puzzle because you couldn't 
bring the carbon for them. You couldn't bring a carbon for them. Um, why? So, so let's see. So let's see. Vinishkot. Let it. So, so why couldn't you bring the carbon with them? Let Let's slaughter the animal and then allow them to be eaten. Something happened where the animal was switched over, and so we couldn't have the animal shechted, right? And, and, and make the then make the bread eaten. This is this is all these carbonos were brought with a with, with this kind of carbon was brought. There was a carb, right, and a protein, right. You had the animal and also the loaves are brought with it. So if you had loaves and you don't have an animal to shechted with it, then the loaves become sort of, sort of even though they're kosher in their own right, they become puzzle. So we say, so fine, so shech the animal, and then you'll be able to eat the, the bread. That's how it always works. So the Gemara answers, Shavad Azevach. No, we couldn't find the animal. The animal got lost. We lost our carbon. So the Gemara says, okay, Venaisi Zevach So go bring another animal, and then shech it. So the Gemara says, no. What's the case here? An individual designates the carbon toda, which is the animal portion of it, right? And it says, and this is its bread. And then you have the bread portion of that toda. So it's a really giant suda with the animal and bread. And so those have already been designated. And we hold according to Rabbah. So what we have here is a primary and a secondary component of the Korban Toda. And the animal, we're going to learn according to Rabbah, is the primary component. Such that the Korban, right, the accompaniment is the bread, right? So when you lose an animal, you have lost the Korban, right? And the bread becomes invalid. If you lost bread, let's say you came and you say, hey, honey, did you bring the bread? Like, right, you're bringing the Korban Toda, and it's a big Suda, so you have a bunch of people helping you carry it. So you're schlepping the animal. That's the essential component. Somebody else who has dropped the ball, who was supposed to bring the bread, they lost it. So that's okay. You can always bring more bread, but you can't bring a different animal. The animal is the carbon. So again, if you lost the bread, you can always bring other bread. But if you lose the actual carbon, you can't replace it. My time, what's the reason? Lechem galal toida. It just means that the lechem is like the wingman of the toda. The lechem is because of the toda. Right? So one is subservient to the other. The bread is an accompaniment to the toda. The toda is not an accompaniment to the bread. They are not on equal footing, but one serves the other. And certainly the primary component of the carbon is the animal itself. So if the animal is lost, you can't just bring another animal to replace the bread. Because the bread isn't holding the place for the animal. It's just supporting, so to speak. It's the support ca- supporting cast for that animal carbon. Okay. So Okay, so redeem those breads and say, okay, we're no longer hektesh, now it's chulin. And therefore they're not going to be puzzled. Why do you have to destroy them? No, this is an unusual case. The, you already brought the carbon and you already shechted the carbon. So at that point, right, that bread is committed, certainly. You can't, you can't be podated. The nishrach adam, and even the blood of that particular carbon was already spilled. So the, that bread is fully committed and it's puzzled now because you can no longer, right, you can no longer, um, be, redeem it whatsoever. Uchaman, and who holds that this is a thing? Karebi. Right, so when you have, Two mutter things, they can, they can elevate a korban one without the other on their own right, as follows. The Tanya gives that seret. Let's say Shavuos, you're bringing lamb, right? And you bring that, those korbanos. Ein mekachin es ha lechem ela b'shechita. That by doing the shechita, you've now consecrated that, the, the, the lechem that comes with it. Kate said, how so? Shechatan lishman, vizarek dam lishman, so we see that one aspect of a carbon affects the other. This is a transition, by the way. In the next few dapim over the weekend and beyond, a little bit into next week, we're going to learn a lot of a lot of kachim and taras. It's going to be great. Anyway, so shchatan lishman v'zark dam lishman. So you did all the proper things. You did the shchit lishma. You did the the blood spring lishma. Maybe be zacher to do this b'mehir b'amenu. Kida shalechem. All of that consecrated the bread and made the bread that came along with this carbon uh, holy as well, so to speak. Right? Sanctified. Shchatan shalashman v'zark dam shalashman lo kida shalechem. And if you did the shchita and the zrika not lishma, so then the bread doesn't become consecrated. So we see that these are what that these are interrelated. That the bread and the and and, and the animal and all the carbon, but right, it affects the kedusha of that bread. For the marshchatan the shman v'zarek damish l'al shman, let's say one of the component, the shchita and the, and the sprinkling of the blood. So the shchita was done okay, sprinkling of blood was not. So then lechem kaddish ve'ino kaddish. So then you get this hybrid um, sort of uh, result with the bread because you did one component 
right, of, of, the, of the carbon. You did it well. The other one, you didn't do the Shema. And so you end up with this hybrid situation with the bread. Different Rebbe. That's what Rebbe says. Rebbe. Lazar so the truth of the matter is, what is this hybrid status of Rebbe is a little bit difficult to understand. It's easy to understand. He just says, until you do the entire korban properly, which is the shechita, and then the sprinkling, then you're not going to get the consecration of the bread. But once you, once you have done it properly, then, of course, the bread will be considered uh, consecrated. So we will stop here by Afilu Tamer Rebbe Lazar Rebbe Shimon, which is uh, eight lines up from the bottom of Gimel on the base. May everybody have a good Shabbos, and we'll be so good to see all of these uh, aspects of the base of Mikdash uh, with our own eyes soon. I'll tell you.